And then today, we're going to look at what is titled in the Greek, uh, philia, or or philia love. I'm going to also use the tense uh, phileo, and that is brotherly love. As we go into the time of scripture today, would you just hold for a moment, let me bless you. Father, I pray that as the word of God goes forth today, that it would transform each and every one of us. That each and every one of us would have a revelation of your phileo love that you are teaching us to walk in towards our brothers and sisters, not just in Christ, but around the world. And Lord, I thank you that today will be a day of transformation in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. So if you'll write down this type of love, and again, these are four Greek words because our New Testament was written originally in Greek. And so, um, and so we just use the word love, and sometimes we use the word friendship, we use these other ones to represent love, but in the Greek there were four expressive, expressive words to express these four different types of love that we see in scripture. And today as we're talking about philia or phileo, that love is a friendship or brotherly love. Write that down. Friendship or brotherly love. I don't know uh, how many of you guys heard about this, but um, the Prime Minister of Israel, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, how do you say this? Netanyahu, there you go. Benjamin Netanyahu, he called over to the Pope a couple weeks back, and, uh, and he was trying to generate brotherly love. And he says, listen, Mr. Pope, he says, you know, our two religions have always been opposed to each other. I want to propose and invite you and your cardinals out to a golf tournament. And we'll just show the world that we can play golf together and have a good time. And he sent that message to the Pope where the Pope got all his cardinals together. And he goes, listen, guys, we've been invited to this, a show of brotherly love. And, uh, you know, to show the, you know, the, the world that our two religions can operate together. And, uh, and, 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 but I don't play golf. Do any of you guys play golf? No, we don't play golf either. He goes, well, we can't go to this tournament, and we sure can't let those uh, Jewish people beat us. And so that's true. So anybody got any ideas? And one of the cardinals spoke up, and he says, well, I don't know if you know this, but Jack Nicholas, uh, he's a Catholic, and maybe we could get him to help us some kind of way. So the Pope called Jack Nicholas over, and, and, and uh, they, they deemed him a cardinal and said, you're going to be a cardinal from now on, and you're going to go play in this golf tournament for us, and you're going to win it for the Catholics. And, and, and Nicholas said, okay, I'll do it. Yes, sir, Mr. Pope. And so they go to the tournament and the day after the tournament the pope gets a call from jack nicholson and and nicholas and he says uh, i got good news and bad news he said the good news is i played the greatest golf of my life i birdied i eagled everything it was as though god himself was playing through my hands and the pope was so excited that's amazing so what's the bad news he said well the bad news is i got beat by some guy named rabbi tiger woods i have no idea who the guy is but he beat me some kind of way. As we talk about brotherly love today and kind of show you this in Scripture, I want to give you a couple understandings of this. First and foremost, when we use this word philia or phileo, this Greek brotherly love or friendship love, it has a wide uh, chasm of, uh, of expression. All the way from loving your neighbor who you don't even know, loving people that you don't even understand, that friendship love for someone you don't know, to the depths of your BFF for life. And when you use this word phileo or philia, it covers all of those spectrums. So as I'm teaching you today, we're going to be looking at not only how I'm supposed to phileo the loss and the hurting and my enemy, but also how I can have Philia with a best friend type relationship and how to develop that and how to walk therein. So our key scripture is found in Romans chapter 12. Turn there with me. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. If you got your Bible, say, I got it. If you forgot your Bible, say, I'm sorry. That's okay. We'll have it on the screen for you. All you guys online, you can watch as well. All right. Romans 12, 10. It says it like this. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. So this is Holy Scriptures. It tells us to be devoted to one another 
and, holy, and, and, and brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. The message paraphrase says it like this. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Practice playing second fiddle. Be devoted to one another and brotherly love. So this word devoted means to completely give yourself to. So the Holy Scripture is teaching us to be totally sold out to the concept of giving love, brotherly love, phileo love to others. And it goes on and it actually tells us, it says to actually uh, honor one another above yourselves. That word honor means to esteem highly, to treat very valuable. You remember when you first got your brand new car, how you treat, you parked it all the way out in the Walmart parking lot. You didn't want anybody to scratch it. Come on, you remember? Now that you've been driving it for about seven years and you've been waiting for your husband to get you new and you park it right up front. You find the trashiest old truck and you park it right next. So they'll throw open that door and scratch it more so you can say, oh, i got to get another one. I don't know what happened to this one. Why? Because you've lost honor and respect for it because it's become common. It's become common. When you first got that brand new dress, those brand new pair of shoes, bro, whatever, you treated it with, I mean, you didn't let anybody scuff them. My kids were teaching me, like, Pastor, Dad, you cannot let the, get the wrinkle on the toe on those, on those shoes anymore. You can't do that. It looks stupid. I'm like, oh, okay, so now I'm trying to walk without wrinkling my toes for these, you know, these new kind of cool shoes that I got to wear to be hip with all the young people. And the reason that is is because I respect it. I, I, I value it. And, and the Holy Scripture is telling us, Honor, value one another more than you value yourself. That's a tough place to walk in. Would everybody say amen to that? That really is. And when we're talking about love today and we're talking about phileo love or philia love, we're not talking about the love between a husband and a wife that's eros love. We're not talking about agape love. See, these different forms of love. We're talking about a love that you and I are supposed to walk in with friendship towards other. With kindness. It has all these aspects to it. And Romans tells us exactly how we're supposed to do it. And I want you to understand something. Here at Hill City, if you don't like being nice to people, you're at the wrong church. We value phileo. We value it. We value being kind and gracious to others who are jerks. Come on, somebody. <laughs> just, you just want to smack them real good. We value we value loving our brother and our sister. We Why are we a multiracial church? Because we value, every, we honor every person on the planet. Why are we a multi-generational church? Because we, we honor and value the elderly just as much as we value the young new ones. We value everything in between because the word of God tells us to honor them as though ourselves, above ourselves. To be devoted to this kind of brotherly love, of showing this kind of brotherly love. And if you just say, I just don't like that. There's certain people I just don't like. I, won't, I don't want to go to church with them. This is not the right church for you. If you're struggling being friends with someone who's still dealing with their sexuality, this is not going to be the right church for you. Because the Bible says it's the sick who need the doctor. The Word of God is very clear. There are, there are broken people all over this planet that need to see and experience the love of God. And if we, the believer, or if we're not the ones to reach out and to be devoted to that concept, then who is? We are the light of the world. Are you with me today? Say yes. The reason why we have the mess of 2020 is because the church was not the church. Bottom line. Because we did not love in the way we should have been. These things have been constantly propagating because the church, those who call themselves Christians, do not love and are not devoted to that kind of friendship love, that brotherly love that says, I'll lay down what I believe is right just so I can love on you. 
And because we haven't done that, we have brokenness in the world. And the world keeps looking around for the solution, and we're, we're it. We're standing right here. So more than ever before, we as the church have to come into a position where we re-engage with phileo love. Are you there? Say yes. Jesus was committed to phileo love. Look at this passage in John chapter 11. Turn there as quickly as you can. He had a friend named Lazarus. Now, Lazarus was the brother of Mary and Martha. And somehow this family had become close to him. Obviously, their parents had passed away. They, they kind of probably lived together the best we can understand. He's probably the younger brother. We know the storyline where Mary and Martha were in the house. Martha was preparing food. Jesus and his disciples had stopped by. They're hanging out. Jesus starts teaching. Mary's sitting at his feet. Martha's mad that Mary's not helping. And Jesus gives that whole statement. Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about so many things. But only one thing matters. Mary's picked it. Come be with me. Stop worrying about all these other little things. These, this is the intimacy, the friendship that Jesus has with this family. He stays in their home. His disciples, kind of like when they're, when they're traveling, they'll, they'll hang out at their house as they're going to, between cities and things like that. And in fact, we even see that Mary and Martha probably even helped, uh, give, gave offerings to Jesus' ministry. There's this moment where Lazarus, their brother, gets sick here in the book of John, chapter 11. He gets deathly ill. Jesus is only about two miles away ministering. So in those times, they couldn't text him. They couldn't, you know, DM him. So they send a messenger over. And he, someone goes running and says, Jesus is in the middle of preaching, laying hands on people and doing ministry. And, and somebody taps him on the shoulder. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Uh, Mary and Martha sent me here. Lazarus, the guy you love, your friend, pulling on his heartstrings. Your friend's sick to the point of death. Can you come quickly? And Jesus said, yeah, we'll, we'll make our way over there. To, his, to the surprise of all of his dudes ro rolling with him, he doesn't, he doesn't. He doesn't expedite the ministry that he's doing. He kind of just slows it down even, it seems like. He kind of like chills and doesn't rush over to the two miles to get to Mary and Martha's house so that he can help get Lazarus healed from the sickness that's killing him. By the time Jesus gets there, it's already been a couple of days, and Lazarus has died. As he comes walking up, they hear about that Jesus is just down the road, and Martha goes running out to him and says, Jesus, if you'd come earlier, I mean, we sent word to you. You know that you could have healed him, but he's dead now. He died. We're already doing, we're past, we're, we're past funeral arrangements. We already buried him. I mean, you missed the funeral and everything. But we're still grieving. As he gets closer and closer and closer, right up to their home, right up to the area, uh, there's just all this difficulty in their family. People are still trying to console them. And I want to pick up with me, if you will, in John chapter 11, verse 33. It says, as he comes up on Mary, it says this. He says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved. Everybody say, deeply moved. Come on, say it again. Say, deeply moved. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Verse 35 is the shortest English verse in all of Scripture. Jesus wept. So the writer of the Holy Scriptures had all these other sentences, and he stopped right there, put a period at it, and then put, Jesus wept, period. Didn't expand on it, just Jesus wept. He was so moved. We only see Jesus weeping three times in Scripture. One, you know, there in the garden right before his crucifixion. We see him uh, weeping as he comes into the city at the end of his, of his, uh, of his earthly ministry uh, over Jerusalem and their sinfulness and their waywardness. But this is, this is this moment, one of the most critical moments that we see him weeping. He's weeping. Why? Some scholars would say because of their unbelief. Can't they see? Has he not ministered to them enough to trust him in the midst of the difficulty? To trust him in the midst of the pain? Why, why, why are they? I don't believe it's that at all. Other scholars would say his love for this family 
His love, his friendship, his phileo is so intense for this, this group of people that it just tugs at his heartstrings. I'm so grateful that my Jesus is connected to my pain. I'm so grateful that he doesn't see me as a servant, but he sees me as a friend. Are you with me? Say yes. I'm so grateful that he loves me like that. And he loves you like that. And so he says, where have you laid him? And, he, and they show him. And, and then Jesus, it says, verse 36, then the Jews said, see how he phileo him. See how he phileoed him. Look, look at how Jesus loved that man like a friend. Now, see, if you're, if you're living our world system, you would turn that and say, look, I bet he had some kind of sexual relationship with him. Because he's so, he, he must, that must be Eros love it's talking about. No, no, no. I, it's amazing to watch people of perverted minds take the scriptures and try to take them out of context and maneuver them. Jesus had no, if you will, romantic relationship with Lazarus. He had a phileo relationship with him. He had a deep friendship relationship. He loved this man. Just like a band of brothers. I mean, had his back. You got my back. Uh, we got each other's back. In fact, C.S. Lewis and talking about the four loves, he's trying to paint a picture of what they look like. He talked about how um, uh, Eros love is, is a husband and a wife face to face. He's trying to set the middle picture face to face, embracing each other as what that love almost as a middle picture. And then he, and he said in reference to phileo love, it's like two brothers and sisters in Christ or two people standing side by side. And I would say then that agape love is Jesus leading out and me standing behind him, if you will, because he is the Lord of my life where he goes I follow. And that's the positioning of these loves. So with Eros love, it's face to face with your lover, with the one God has given you in marriage. And then with Phileo love, it's that side by side, my bro, my friend, we got each other's back. We're fighting the world, facing it together. And then with Agape love, it's Jesus, you lead out, I'm right behind you. Wherever you go, I go. And this is the concept that C.S. Lewis, the great philosopher, said in reference to these four loves, these four types of loves. And as we look into this, we see that Jesus had this kind of love. He had a friend. He had a friend in Lazarus. It broke his heart to be standing here in the pain and suffering. And if you know anything about this chapter, about this, this, this storyline, Jesus says, guys, don't worry about it. He's just sleeping. He's coming back to life. And Mary responds to that and says, I know he's going to raise, we're all going to raise from the dead at the end of the age. After everything has been done and the world has been, you know, uh, you know shut down and you resurrect us all. He goes, no, 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 sweetheart. You don't even understand what I'm saying. Bring me to him. Lazarus, come forth. And this dude who's dead comes alive. Jesus raises his friend from the dead. In fact, Christian history tells us that after Lazarus has been raised from the dead, that the Jews who hated Jesus, who wanted to have him killed, went on a tarrant to try to kill Lazarus because if he's been raised from the dead, then it's proof that Jesus must be the Messiah because nobody raises the dead except for God's son. That was their mentality in the moment. So they literally had to hide Lazarus for a few years to keep the Jews from killing him. This is that friendship love. Do you have friendship love with anyone? Do you have anybody that's got that band of brothers, that sisterhood, you know, that, 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 that friendship? So, well, my sister. And I'm not talking about your blood family. I'm talking about this phileo love that God has instituted for us to operate in. See, when you don't have that, you are defunct of what love can really be in your life. 
When you don't have good, just good friendship. The reason why we are a small group-based church is not because I'm on some kind of some kind of you know you know business model to get everybody doing small groups. I know the power of having friends. I, I don't care if you have a weekly meeting and you do chips and dips and you study the Bible. I just want you to have friends in Christ. I just want you to have some phileo going on in your life. I want you to go on vacation and somebody actually checks on your dog for you. I want you to be able to you know have one of those nights where you and your wife get in one of those moments and you say, I got to come by your house, bro. And your bro says, come on, man, let's come pray together. We got each other. I, I, I'm not, I don't care if you have a, a weekly Bible study and you study the word of God. That's all great. Do you have bros and sis in Christ? Do you have somebody has got your back? Do you have someone standing beside you and you're attacking the things of, of the enemy and falling after Jesus together? Do you have somebody that you got your, their back and they got your back? Do you have somebody that's praying for you? Well, pastor, I'm tipping you. I'm expecting you to pray for me. That's what I thought. That's the brokenness of the ministry in which we live in today. And the common concept for the last few hundred years is the preacher does all the work. The ministers do all the work. They minister to us. And if we like it, we give them a tip called 10% time. And that is broken. The Bible doesn't say that at all. In fact, you're the ministers, the Bible says. In fact, my job as a five-fold minister, a pastor, is to equip you so you can minister to the world. That's the whole thing. And so if you don't have that right in your mind and you're looking for the church that will just come and massage you every day and make you feel good about yourself, and that kind of, you're in the wrong place because we actually are living out the Holy Scripture. And that is we're trying to put you in relationship with other friends, other Christians, as iron sharpeneth iron, so we sharpen one another and we go forth and we change the world together. Together. Friend, if you don't get that, you're going to be miserable in your Christian walk because you're going to be looking for somehow this pulpit or this worship time or some Bible study to transform your life. And the real transformation happens in phileo love with another brother and sister in Christ, with another couple that's like you guys, and connecting and going forward in the things of God. And if you don't get that, you're going to live a life of misery. You're going to bounce from church to church to church to church. You're going to go, well, I like this about what they do and I like this about, but I don't like this and I don't like that. When you're in friendship, there are things about your friends that you like and friends and things about your friends you don't like but you put up with because they're your friend they're your friend the friends in my life you know good and well there are things about me they're like uh oh that pastor Adam always uses his hands when he talks can't get him to sit still long enough for anything but I tell you what he sure does love Jesus and he sure is nice to me I want you to understand if you don't have phileo in your life you are going to be lonely. And you're going to constantly be looking for something and trying to find love in all the wrong places. And so that's why you bounce from relationship to relationship because you don't know how to have phileo. And I want to teach you a little bit today, if I could, on how to strengthen your philia or phileo love. Is that okay? Could it help you a little bit? Say yes. Come on online. Say yes to me. Put it in the box for me. Let me feel like you're with me. Okay, good. I'm seeing some yeses. Let's move, move on. So let me help you strengthen your philia love or phileo is another tense of the word. Number one, if you're going to do that with others, the first thing you got to learn to do is believe in their God destiny. If you're going to have friends, if you're going to love the world and the hurting, you have to believe in people's God's destiny. God has a destiny for every, the most vile, wicked person on the earth. God had a destiny and a plan for them. The enemy has routed that and destroyed that. And when you look into the eyes of someone who is hurting, who is hurting others, what you need to do is look past all the pain, all the suffering, all the stupidity, all the wickedness inside of them, and see that there's a God destiny inside of them and start believing that with them. When you start looking down in and say, you know what, you're a jerk and I can't stand you, but God has a God destiny on you. 
And I believe in that more than I believe in how you're acting right now, how you're being right now. Look down into it. See that God destiny. We see this in the book of Samuel. Samuel chapter 18. Can I break this down for a second? Would that be good? In Samuel chapter 18, we see this moment with David. Everybody remember the story of David and Goliath? You remember that? Come on. You, come on. History Channel did a good deal with that. Okay, yeah. So David and Goliath. Well, David, if you don't know the storyline, is this poor kid. He's of a poor tribe. He live, I mean, he lives in the hood. I mean, he's got the worst job ever, watching sheep. And God calls him out to be the next king. Can you imagine that? He goes, I mean, he goes from being poor, poor, poor to potentially being the next hedge fund kid. I mean, you know, we're talking about like crazy what God does. And because God says, Saul, who's the king of Israel now, he doesn't love me. He won't obey me. So I'm going to look for somebody who will actually love me and obey me. So I'm going to find some poor kid who's learned how to depend on me to live every day. Anybody a candidate for that? Come on, somebody. That fits us, doesn't it? And, and God says, I'm going to pick somebody. And he picks David. David is on his way to bring food. He's Ubering food over to his brothers who are in the middle of a war. And, uh, and, and, and there's this big giant Goliath, and he's, you, you guys know the storyline, you children of Israel, blanking, blanking you, and he's cussing them and so forth. And David shows up as a 14, 15-year-old, and he's hearing this, and he's like, y'all not going to do nothing? Somebody needs to knock this sucker on his backside. And they're all like, hey, buddy, hey, buddy. <laughs> there you go, buddy. Settle down. That dude will rip your arm off. And, uh, and David ends up getting to talk to Saul about it. And he says, let me at him. And David goes out, as you know, with the little sling, hits him in the head, knocks him down. But what most of you don't remember in that storyline is David doesn't necessarily kill him in that moment. The Bible's not clear that he kills him. It just says that he knocks him down, probably even unconscious. And then he runs over there, and everybody's just standing there watching. They're, the, the enemy's forces, the, God, the people of God forces, they're all just frozen. And David runs over there, picks up the dude's sword, and starts hacking his head off. And then picks it up. And all of Israel goes, yeah, and they begin to attack the Philistines. The Philistines begin fleeing, and they, had, they win the battle. Well, if you pick up from there, David then walks over to the tent of Saul. Now, Saul's got his teenage son, Jonathan, hanging out with him at the battle. He's, he's teaching him. He's preparing him to be the next king. He's going to be the protege, so he's got to have these experiences. He's never even got his hands dirty. He's probably, he's probably had practice fights, but he's never been in a real fight. And he's not going to be out there today either. He's not going to let his heir apparent die. David, on the other hand, goes out there, kills, kills this Goliath, walks back up, has got the head of the giant. He comes into the tent where Saul is at, and Jonathan's standing there. He goes, look, king, look what our God did for us. Rawr! And the king's probably like, whoa, this kid is fired up. Wow. And the Bible says in that moment, in that moment, look at verse 1 of Samuel chapter 18. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. What kind of love is this? Help me, what am I teaching about? Phileo love. That's philia, phileo, another tense of the word. Phileo love. He, lo he wasn't romantic with him. I I've literally had people in the homosexual community try to convince me that this meant that they were in romantic relationship. You are perverted in your thinking. You misunderstand God's love and how he defines love. He created love. And it, even though you want to take this over here and put it over here and mix it in here like that, that doesn't make it, that doesn't make it love. That makes it perverted. That doesn't make it right. You may think it's right. You may feel it's right because of your perversion. But at the end of the day, that's not at all what's happening here. This is phileo love. This is a band of brothers. This is that's my boy right now. Something about that man. I just connect with that. Well, let me tell you the problem 
with loving David in a deep phileo love moment like this. The problem is, is that David has been anointed to be the next king, but your daddy says that you're going to be the next king. To love him means that you are giving up your rightful inheritance. You're giving up your rightful inheritance. But Jonathan cared more about the people of Israel than he cared about his own success. He saw a love in David and a rightness in David that stirred in his heart of that is right, that is righteous, and he was willing to lay down his own opportunity so that the people of Israel could be led properly. That's crazy. Most of us, you think about it. If someone new came on the job who was better than you, most of us would find a way to run them off. That's what we do. We don't operate in phileo love. That person may be more gifted. That person may be more talented for the position that you hold right now. But you're looking at that going, nope, nope, it's my position. It's mine. What does it say? What, what was our key verse said? It says, and loving them, honor them above yourself. Let me, let me put it in modern terms. I'm a big Cowboys fan. I live in Texas. I repent to Jesus on behalf of every one of you who live in Dallas who do not cheer for the Cowboys. I do that for you as your pastor all the time. I go before the Lord. I say, Lord, just have mercy on them. Just forgive them. Even though I'm from Louisiana, I have always loved the Cowboys. It's because the Saints were so bad in my era. But they're my number two team. And so my, maybe some of you remember when we were Tony Romo fans. Maybe you remember when we said Tony Romo is going to bring us into the promised land. So Tony, Tony, you're the greatest. We were all in Tony Romo, you're the greatest. And Tony Romo got hurt. Then he got hurt again. Then we're like, come on, you sissy man up. Play some football. The boy, he's brilliant. He understood the game. He was our franchise quarterback. And then the Cowboys went and drafted this guy named Dak. They drafted this guy. And those of us that are Tony Romo fans, he got us further than we had been in a long time. Sitting there going, hold up. Tony's got some more left in him. Take some young guy just out of college. He don't know what he's doing yet. Wait a minute. And then Tony had a bad game, and they put Dak in the game. Then we're like, whoa, I don't know how I feel about this. And the commentators, well, they've taken Tony Romo out. What do you think this means? Do you think he's over? Da -da 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 -da. Well, he's had a bad game, and they're all talking bad about Tony and talking good about the new guy coming in, but maybe this is, that's going to cause all kinds of confusion on the team. And what did we see Tony do? We saw him back up, take the clipboard, and sit there and mentor and help Dak take his position. That's called phileo love. Because he understood, my time's coming to an end in this place. I'm not the best for this job. So I'm going to let somebody, I see greatness in them. And I will value that. See, one of the, if you want to develop phileo love with folks, you've got to see down inside of them that they've got destiny and purpose. Sweet love, instead of being so hard on your coworker who keeps dropping the ball all the time? What if you looked down inside of him and saw that God has a gift and a talent and help bring that out? Help, help acknowledge that and say, God's got a plan for you. God's got a, a reason for your existence. You're supposed to be here right now. God's going to do something great in this relationship, in this friendship. See, we resist friends that we should be embracing. We, we, we call people that we, don't, that we don't really like what's on their life. We resist them because it may affect us in what we might see as a negative way instead of calling out destiny and purpose and saying, 
saying God's got a plan on this thing. God's working in you because God's got a plan for each and every one of us, every person in the world. God has a plan for them. Satan may destroy it. Satan may con confuse it. Satan may have them being used for his, for his tool. And But we as the believer have to say, wait, wait, Satan may be using you. Satan may be causing you to cause harm for everybody else, but God has a plan and a destiny, and we got to get you over here and get you set free. And the only way I'm going to do that is by befriending you, by being a friend to you and seeing the greatness in you and calling that out, which brings me to my second point, and that is if you're going to strengthen your phileo love, then the thing that you have to do with others is you have to speak life. Speak life. We have to speak life. Proverbs 12 and 18 says it like this. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Ask yourself this question. How much philia love, excuse me, how much philia love have I killed because I was reckless with my words? How much phileo love have you stopped from moving forward because you were reckless with your words? Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise, what does it do? It brings healing. It builds up. It builds up. So I, I'm, I'm just sorry. You know, I'm just, I got to call it like it is. You know, I, I just have to. Because nobody else, I just got to call it how it is. And I mean, if that hurts them, tough. They just need to get over it. If they're going to be my friend, if they're going to be around me, I'm sorry. I'm not going to brown nose nobody. Well, here's your problem with your concept. Is that you somehow think that you can't bring correction and it be life-giving. And you need to get delivered from that. Because the greatest people in the world who have caused me to grow the most, who have rebuked me up one side and down the other, I felt as though they were building me up in the process. Because what they were doing was speaking life. They were speaking life. They weren't speaking death and hoping that I somehow would get it. Listen, can I help you with something? A man in a ditch doesn't need you to tell him, you in a ditch. How you done got in the ditch? I told you not to get in the ditch. When you took the car, I told you, if you do it like this, you're going to get in the ditch. And now you're in the ditch. You're in the ditch. I told you you was in the ditch. I told you not to do this. You're in the ditch. That man in that ditch is not going, thank you so much. You're right. I'm in the ditch. I didn't know I was in a ditch. Huh. Wow, I was so blinded to being in a ditch. I have not met anybody who doesn't know that they messed up. They know they messed up. But when you begin to tell them how messed up they are and how mad you are about them being messed up, what do they do? <laughs> Put up a wall. But what does Phileo do? Phileo says, listen, let me tell you something. You're in a ditch, but I got a way out for you. Let me show you how you can do this. God is on your life. There's a plan for you. Listen, you may be addicted right now, but I'm going to tell you one day, we're going to get through this thing together, and you're going to be preaching all over the world on how alcohol lost its control and how it can lose the control over the You know what? You may be a horrible employee. I'm telling you, you may be miserable, and I can't stand working beside you sometimes, but I'll say there's greatness in you. And I can tell you that you're going to overcome this, and you're not, you're not made to be a failure, and you start speaking life, and start, you start seeing people just... <laughs> You know why our young people are so beat down? Because everyone speaks death to them. Speak life to them. They can change the world. I'm not talking about giving everybody a participation trophy. I'm talking about speaking life. Life. Even to their brokenness. I'm not talking about lying about their brokenness. I'm talking about speaking life into their brokenness. When you and I learn to do that, something will start. Listen, do you understand the New Testament condemns multiple times, condemns gossip and slander, reckless words. Well, you heard what she did? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my Jesus. Oh. How many of you said, I'm never going back to church because someone gossiped and slandered because they were reckless with their words? 
or reckless. You didn't feel love. Yeah, and I've heard people say all the time, you know, I love God, I just don't love, I just don't love the church. They, they, they love the agape, but they've never experienced phileo properly. So since they haven't experienced phileo properly, they, they love God, they love following God, and the world teaches them that everything is eros. They, they love God, they feel like that's awesome, but when they get into the church... There's supposed to be some standing beside them. Not to mention their brokenness creates the separation. Their recklessness causes more recklessness because we don't know how to respond to recklessness. Can I give you a couple thoughts on how to respond to recklessness? Do life. Speak life. Do Matthew 18. Hey, bro, the Bible says that when your brother offends you to come to him. Jamie and I are constantly doing Matthew 18. Last year, something horrible happened to us. Went to a, a... Big name minister who really did us dirty, and I sat him down. And I said, Hey, I'm here. I don't care who you are, <laughs> how big your ministry is. I'd like to confront you. I don't want to do Matthew 18 with you. He couldn't believe it. He thought I was there to give an offering to his ministry or something. I said, You did this, and it hurt us. He was so gracious. He said, I didn't realize I did it like that. I did do that, but I didn't realize it was going to have that effect. Would you forgive me? I didn't sit there and go, <laughs> that's a half truth because you know what you was doing when you was doing it you and I know what you do I didn't do all that I didn't go through the history of all the times you've done all this I just went I forgive you thank you and I let it go let it go I just let it go went on with Jesus isn't that good this is what we're supposed to do if we're going to walk in phileo you still with me say yes here's a little statement I like to make I always get myself in trouble when I call it like it is, instead of calling it as it could be. I always get myself in trouble when I call it like it is, instead of calling it as it could be. Call it as it could be. Bro, if you, if you could just make this tweak, you won't be like that anymore. Bro, God's got this plan for you. I know right now, you and I are at each other, but there's a plan of God in this, and we don't have to live like this. Speak life. You still there? Say yes. You still love me? Say yes. All right, can we go a little deeper? Number three, a little deeper. Embrace the giving versus having truth. Let's write it down. I'll break it down to you. Embrace the giving versus having truth when it comes to phileo love. You got embrace, there's a truth in this thing that I got to help you understand. Embrace the giving versus the having of phileo love. Let me, there's a giving portion of it, but there's a having portion of it too. So let me break it down for you. You should give phileo to everybody you come in contact with. You should give it. You should, you should give brotherly love. You should give friendship love to everyone you come in contact with. You should be kind and gracious, honoring those above yourself. You should give that away to everyone you come in contact with. But you must embrace a truth that you may not always get that back in return. You may not always have that with everyone. So let me break this down to you. I give friendship love to everyone but I'm not best friends with everyone. I can't be. You can't be. Why? You say, well, I don't understand, you know. Some people are friendly. They're friendly to my face, but then they don't invite me to the birthday party. Right? Is this not a common difficulty? And that's because you're confusing giving phileo love and actually being in a relationship that has deep phileo love. You cannot have deep filet of love with everybody on the planet. You don't have the capacity. 
Every one of us have capacity. The Bible talks about capacity. To when he gave one talent, to when he gave two talents, to when he gave five, each according to their ability, to their capacity. We all have a capacity issue. So I can give, uh, some people can be entrusted with this, some people can be entrusted with that. So we all have a capacity. Some of you, you will never have more than five best friends in your entire existence on the planet. That doesn't mean you should not show phileo love to everyone you come in contact with. Well, they're not my best friend, so, you know, I don't, I don't treat them because, you know, they don't treat me. Well, you, you got to get free from that. And then some of you, everybody's your best friend. But, but you don't have any real deep relationships. And so give phileo to everyone, but realize you're only going to have deep phileo. Remember the spectrum? From, from being kind to everyone, showing brotherly love, to having deep, deep, deep friendships. There's a spectrum in this word, phileo. There's only a handful, probably, for most of you, that you're going to have this deep relationship with. That's why here at, at Hill City, when, when it's small, you go, man, I just don't really connect with those people. I, I don't know what's wrong with me or what's wrong with them. It's nothing. You just didn't have phileo with them. You showed phileo, but you didn't have phileo. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. Come on. I'll prove this to you in Scripture. Um, John 15 and 15, Jesus looks at his 12 disciples and he goes, look, no longer do I call you servants. I call you phileo. I call you my friends. Jesus was kind and gracious and ministered love to everyone he came in contact with. But he only hung out and only had an inner circle of 12 men. Are you tracking with me? He had, he, he loved, he loved Lazarus. But Lazarus didn't get to roll with him. He loved Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus had a crazy turnaround, but Zacchaeus didn't roll with him. You gotta say, we gotta model after Jesus, and it's okay. I, do you understand? Jesus came down off the mountain and picked his 12. The Bible says there are multiple, you, the picture is that there's tons of people there. And Jesus goes, okay, Peter, you're with me. Okay, John, you're with me. Why? He said, well, that just doesn't seem fair. What if you don't? You're starting to have flashbacks to junior high, some of you right now, like you never got picked. You got to understand, God has put friendships for you that are going to be deep, and they're for you. Finding those and cultivating those has as much to do with you as it has to do with the other person. And they're, they're there for you. God's got them. You start praying. Say, Lord, I need that. I need some of those kind of friendships in my life. I had that back in the world. Had that back when I wasn't saved. Had these deep friends. And all they did was drag me into wickedness. But yet they understood me. And Lord, I don't have that in the church life. I don't have that in any Christian life. Start praying. God will do it every time. Start opening up your heart. He'll do it every time. But recognize, you may not have that with everyone. But you're going to show that to everyone. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. Come on. That is so, that's a deep truth. I hope you get We've got to move fast because you guys aren't listening quick enough. We've got to go. Number four. The fourth one is give to those in need. I'm trying to teach you how to, how to cultivate phileo love. Give to those in need. Uh, and in Matthew chapter 25, Matthew chapter 25, Jesus does this teaching that offends me every time I read it. It offends me because I've studied it so often, and it's a rough, rough, tough teaching. Jesus gives this illustration of what it will be like at the end of the age. And he says, and the king will separate the sheep from the goat, the righteous from the unrighteous. And then he'll say to the righteous, come unto me, those of you who are blessed. For when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was in prison, you came and visited me. The Bible says, and they returned to him and said, 
King of glory, Jesus, when did we see you hungry? I never saw you hungry and fed you. I never saw you thirsty and gave you something. I never went to prison and visited. You were never in prison, Jesus. Where, I mean, you died. On the, when did we see you like that? And he, and he makes this statement. For if you've done this to the least of these, my brothers, of humanity, then you've done it unto me. Wow. I had no idea. Then the Bible says he'll turn to those on his left. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. For when I was hungry, you never fed me. When I was thirsty, you never gave me nothing to drink. You never came and visited me in prison. And they, and they reply in return, said, Lord Jesus, when did we see you hungry and didn't feed you? I never saw, I never saw you hungry, Jesus. I never knew. What are you talking about? I never. He said, because if you didn't do it to the least, then you didn't do it unto me. And he gives this clar- clarifying teaching. And what he lays out for us there in the book of Matthew, it's Matthew 25. We don't have time to go all through it. Matthew chapter 25. He puts a precedence in place, a couple thoughts in this precedence. Number one, he's saying that you are loving me when you show love by helping those in need. Helping others is the natural response for a genuine Christian. He's setting this precedence that there's harsh judgment that it waits for selfishness. When you love others who are hurting and don't have the ability to help themselves, you love me. There's anything that was happening in 2020 was that a portion of our culture were crying out saying, does anyone love us? Does anyone see the pain? Is everyone okay with this? Is anyone tracking with us? This isn't right. This isn't fair. If there was anything that happened in 2020, if there's anything that I saw happen this week in the middle of an ice storm, is that the people of Hill City started being phileo to people in need. We had people going and getting people out of their homes who hadn't had electricity for a couple days and bringing them into their home. We had people out on the ice about to kill themselves, going just to deliver some bottled water to people who they had electricity but they didn't have water. Santos was up here last night till 1 o'clock in the morning because the pipes were bursted in the back of this auditorium and off to the kids' ministry, and the plumber could only come last night. And he's up here at 1 o'clock in the morning trying to get the water to stop. And, and people were up here just pushing it out the doors. People were going grab. We had a single mom. A single mom who couldn't go to work because her work shut down, but she has a Jeep. A single mom in her Jeep went driving around the city helping people out of the ditch with her Jeep. This is the kind of phileo love that started being manifest this week in the midst of difficulty. We lost that in 2020, but we got it back in 2021. Something's happening right now. Phileo is starting to stir again. The world is starting to go, wait a minute. I may not look like you. I may not act like you. I might not even culturally accept what you accept and like what you like. But at the end of the day, I'm going to show some phileo. I'm going to love you because I'm going to love my brother as much as I love myself. I'm going to be devoted to phileo love and showing kindness and goodness even to those who will never give it to me in return. I may never get any ROI, but I'm going to tell you right now what's going to happen is I'm going to give it even if I don't receive it. I'm going to show it even if no one else is showing it because this is the love that Christ has put in my heart. Are you with me? Say yes. And I love what Mother Teresa said it like this. People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you're kind, people may accuse you of selfishness, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you're successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you're honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank anyway. What you spend years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may may be jealous. Be happy anyway. 
The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it, will ne- it may never be enough. Give the, best you ha- give the world the best you have anyway. You see, the final analysis, it is between you and your God. It was never between you and them anyway. Phileo love. Phileo love. Loving our brothers, our sisters. Loving a broken world. I'm not talking about eros love. That's between a husband and a wife. I'm not talking about agape love, the love that God pours out on us, but through that kind of love, we can actually do phileo right. I'm talking about loving our neighbor as much as we love ourselves. I'm teaching you today how to come into the kind of friendships that will actually build you and strengthen you. I'm talking about every part of this spectrum, from showing love to those who will never be kind and gracious back, to having deep friendships that have your back and you're fighting side by side for the things of God. I'm talking about this whole spectrum of phileo love. I don't know about you, but I want to increase in it. I want to grow in it. I want to be a man that people look at and say, that dude right there loves right. He loves right. He may not have it all right, but he loves right. Are you with me today? Say yes.